Good morning, K-First. Welcome to a brand new series, a series that I've been looking forward to for well over a year. And it's our annual emotion series, and we're calling it Soul Therapy. So before we get into everything, would you do me a favor, do a couple things. Number one, would you share, just share this video in your Facebook feed. You should find the link right below this video. Also, wherever you're watching from in the chat, would you just maybe type out where you're watching from. If you're watching from Vicksburg, Parchment, Comstock, Plainwell, Portage, here in the metropolis of Texas Township, wherever you're watching from, would you just type that city in there. Uh, it just gives us a chance to know who we're connecting with. Uh, last time we did this, we had, uh, I think, a few countries represented. Uh, we had people watching from Detroit, Saginaw, from a few places. So just type in your city. And hey, let's do a third thing. My daughter gave me a haircut. And if you have done a quarantine home haircut or had one done to you, would you put that hand raise emoji up? Just stick it right there just to let us know who else is in the same uh, boat of getting home haircuts. And Cammy, I think, has done a great job. Uh, but go ahead and throw that in there. Uh, we're embarking on this series to really look at our emotions because I don't think it's something we should ignore. I think it's something we should embrace. And so we're going to take about five weeks to kind of dive in and learn what the scripture says, what God thinks about our emotions. It was, uh, wow, I think two years ago or so, um, there's a police officer uh, named Ryan Shank. He goes to our church and a shout out to all of our officers, all of our firemen, um, those first responders that are part of our community. We're so proud of you. We just honor you. We're praying for you. And he called me up and he says, the, the Kalamazoo Safety is doing this like experience for city leaders to come in and just go through what Kalamazoo Public Safety goes through. And so I got to be part of a lot of things. I was part of forensics. Uh, we got to look at different things that forensics does. Um, got to ride in a cop car. I got to um, go and be a part of the SWAT team. And I went and went to a, through a SWAT simulator for which in the first simulation, Instead of uh, shooting like the bad guy, I shot the hostage. And then in the second simulation, the guy running toward me, I thought was trying to help me. Nope, that was a terrorist coming toward me. And so the SWAT guy just said, thank God you're a pastor. You should never be on the SWAT team. So it is, I'm doing my duty by not being on the SWAT team. So I think the public is safer. Uh, but one of my favorite things was when we went to go uh, work with our fire department and we were setting a car on fire and so the guy looked at me the firefighter said uh, can you come help me set this car on fire you look like a guy that's never illegally set a fire and i just smiled and he goes why are you smiling for us i'll tell you a story after you let me set this fire because i've never set a car on fire and i told him the story later on and he kind of wishes he'd never let me start the fire but nevertheless started the fire we got the fire hose out and they partnered me up with this gentleman and i put him in the front and I was holding the hose and the sheer power of that hose was something I did not expect. And so because that hose, the power and the pressure was pushing us backwards, we had to move forward. So I grabbed the hose and pushed so that my partner could move faster toward the fire and put the fire out. And then we switched. And so when I turned the hose on again, that hose pushed back. But as I'm pushing forward, I'm noticing like the hose is pulling me back even harder. I'm like, this seems like it's a lot more 
power and pressure than when my partner was at the helm of the hose. And so we're working on it and I'm pulling harder and harder. I am exhausted. We put the fire out. So I'm talking with the guy. We're talking about the pressure of what was coming out of that hose. And I told him, I said, I was just trying to do my best to help you by pushing forward. He goes, wait, you did that for me? I said, yeah. He goes, I thought you were trying to move backwards. So when I felt the pressure, I thought you were trying to walk backwards. So I was pulling with the pressure and I realized that guy was, wasn't helping me in the least bit and he should never be a firefighter. What am I trying to say? When I think about emotions, emotions are they're like that fire hose that they can just seem to pull us against the grain. And when we're wanting to go into one direction, sometimes the emotions can rise up and the pressure and the power of those emotions want to pull us back. And when I think of my partner for that day, I should say for that moment, um, he didn't help me out at all. And sometimes that happens even with the people around us. There are some people that don't know how to navigate their own emotions and they don't even know how to navigate helping others. And it seems like when they step in, they're not, they think they're helping, but they're actually kind of sucking us back underneath the pressure. And so emotions, emotions is something that can just set us ablaze. And also it can put us in a position with other people where they may not help, but they could be actually harming what we're doing just because we don't talk about our emotions enough. We don't know how to navigate them. Um, I've, I grew up uh, hearing some people, some leaders talk about emotions and how sometimes they could be viewed as just pure sin or their result of broken humanity. But I would challenge you in this message and in the series to not look at emotions this way. We're going to paint a different picture for you. It was the 5th century theologian St. Augustine who said this, Our deepest emotions often function like smoke from a fire. They can indicate what's going wrong in our hearts before we can articulate it. Let me say that again. Our deepest emotions often function like smoke from a fire. They can indicate what's wrong in our hearts before we can articulate it. I love that. This amazing theologian from the 5th century says your emotions they're not necessarily like the fire. Sometimes they feel that way, but it's more like there's smoke. And when you see the smoke, the smoke often becomes the indicator that there's something wrong in your hearts before you even realize it. I love that analogy. And I think that really kind of fits in with our firefighter theme here, that when we see the emotions rise, sometimes we think the emotion is the problem, but the emotion isn't the problem. The emotion is the indicator that there's something happening under the surface that needs our attention. And so the aim of scripture, when we look at scripture is this, scripture isn't there to suppress our emotions. Scripture is there to help us to accurately understand them, also to invite the Holy Spirit in to deal with them so that we can actually express our emotions in a healthy way. When we look at Scripture, I just want to reiterate that. They're there to help us understand them, to articulate them, to invite the Holy Spirit, to invite God into them so that we can learn how to express them in a proper way. If you have heard preaching that has told you that all emotions must be suppressed, please run from that. That's not God's desire. Because when I think about, let's stick with our smoke analogy. If you smell smoke, it should help alarm you to understand something is happening. For example, in my living room, I've got a smoke alarm. 
because our kitchen is connected to our living room, the alarm is right here, it's prevalent, it's right in the middle, so that if we're cooking something and the smoke gets to be too much, or God forbid, uh, wiring was to be messed up and all of a sudden a fire would start up and we were sleeping, that alarm is there to help us uh, know that something has taken place, that there is an emergency going on. And that's what our emotions, they're that emergency, that smoke that is rising to show us and tell us something needs attention. And we need the Holy Spirit's guidance. We need help with it, not to suppress it, not to give a complete license, but to invite God into that moment so that we can navigate our emotions in a healthy way. I want you to write something down. Emotions are not the problem. They are indicators of the problem. Emotions, they're not the problem. They're indicators of the problem. I mean, emotions, emotions are kind of like social media or the internet. Or, or you could pick any number of things. They're not a problem. Social media isn't a problem. It's the people behind the social media that are causing problems. Um, you know, thinking about internet. Internet's not a problem. It's the people and the way things are being used on the internet that are becoming the problem. And our emotions, anger, sadness, um, mourning, happiness, joy, the numbers of different emotions, even fear, they're not necessarily the problem, but they're actually tools and opportunities for the glory of God to shine. And so we all have our emotions. We all just navigate it differently. And in fact, when it comes to our emotions, we all have different sensitivities. So, uh, for example, what makes you upset? What makes you joyful? Um, what are experiences that you have had that really have stirred up anger? Or what are some experiences you have had that maybe have stirred up a lot of excitement and joy? Because there are some things that somebody can say to you that can stir up anger more than anything. And maybe it's because you've had an experience in your past that all of a sudden they have said something and you know them and you know their hearts but because of what they said or because of the mode of life that was going on or the season of life that you're in or maybe the tone or maybe there was a scent or a sound that triggered a memory because of something that happened in the past that they could, that they could have been referring to anything but because of what has happened to you, it has set you off. In other words, there is more sensitivity for you toward that subject than any other subject, but we're all there. Our emotions can tend to be sensitive towards some subjects more than others. There are some trigger words that send you to places that you don't want to go that don't affect anybody else. Uh, there are trigger scents. There are trigger sounds. There are trigger uh, modes and maybe seasons that hit you harder than others. It's because we all have a variety of, of, of emotions that are sensitive to us that are not maybe as sensitive to others, but I'm here to remind you that emotions are not the problem, but they are indicators toward the deeper issues. I might even say it this way, in fact, I think I've said it before, that emotions, yes, they're indicators, but they're also the places that we should see as invitations. Invitations for us to take notice, but most importantly, the place where we invite the presence of God to come and to help and to guide us. Because we've all come from different, different schools of emotions. Some schools of emotion says, do nothing with your emotions, suppress them because they're all bad. And yet there's this opposite end of the spectrum that says, just go with whatever you feel because that's what truth is. 
And those are two vastly different schools of emotion. They are two different extremes. You've got either too much or they're not enough. But I'm here to tell you that, that you don't have to pick a side. You don't have to pick the side of logic or the side of emotion. You don't have to pick them because I don't believe that they're enemies. I don't think that they're meant to attack each other. In fact, I believe they are meant to work with each other. You don't have to choose one camp. You don't have to choose one team. We can work with logic and emotion and be a people, a godly people that lives in a good emotional state. So before we go any further, before we read any scripture, would you just take two minutes and ask a question with the people in your room? If you're watching alone, would you maybe answer right there on the chat on Facebook or if you're watching from our website, would you even throw your answer in the chat? Here's my question. What did your upbringing teach you about your emotions? What did your upbringing teach you about your emotions? Would you take a couple minutes and just share your answers with one and all? If you have your Bibles, look at the book of 1 Kings. Now, I'll admit, I can do quite a few series on emotions just from 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. We could sit here for the next five weeks and talk this thing through because there's so much in here about emotions. Uh, but it's something that we have to get a grip on that we need to talk about because we need to rewire what we have learned about emotions. So my intention is that this series would help rewire our understanding of how God designed us with emotions. I want to read you this scripture because it's so good. And what I'm going to do is actually, we're going to get back to this at the very end of the message. It says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and drink, for there is the sound of rushing rain. And so Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. 
And he bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to a servant, go up and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down, lest rain stop you. And in a little while, while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment before and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The, the context of the situation is everybody is a little irritated. Now, you've heard of the term hangry. Um, this is a nation that has been without rain. They are thirsty. They are uh, famished in terms of, of, of needing water. And not only are they thirsty, but no water affects the crop. So they're hungry. So this has hit the nation. And so you've got people that are irritated, people that are in panic. They are in fear. There is a lot of emotion that's going on. And Elijah tells the king, go eat, go have a meal, and I'm going to go talk to the Lord. And while he's praying, he sends his servant to go look. He's praying for rain, and he sends his servant seven times. Seven in scripture is the number of completion. He wanted to get that, that servant to have a complete attention to see God was going to do something complete, something whole in that nation. And he looks, and he doesn't send smoke. He sends a cloud. There's a cloud that begins to form. And that cloud is the beginning stages of hope coming into the emotions, coming into the life, coming into the nation, coming to those people. Hope was on its way in the form of a cloud. Why are we going to talk about this today? Because it is my goal in this, this message and this series to get us to a place where we are getting rewired to look at life a little bit differently. To get us rewired, not to look through the, the lens of the quarantine or look through the lens of somebody's politics. I don't want to look at the lens of what has happened to us as much as I want to look at the lens of how God has designed you, your feelings, and how your, your life is there to represent Him and not what society has told you you're supposed to represent. He wants to pour identity in you. And yes, that includes your emotions. So there's a couple things I just want to get out of the way here. Number one, God created you with emotions and your role is to express them to reflect him. Understand, God created you with emotions. They are God-given. Emotions are not a curse. They are a blessing. They are a gift. And, and often we talk about a okay, K-first that you are called to be the imago Dei. That means the image of God. And if you are made in the image of God, that means your emotions are given to you by God and they're there to reflect God. And if you don't allow yourself to be an emotional human being, I'm just going to tell you, you're not allowing yourself to be human. God has called you to learn how to express them, not to suppress them, to express them in a way that identifies yourself as a human being made in the image of a very loving God. You don't have to be a victim of your emotions, but you can be victorious with your emotions. That leads me to number two. Your emotions are the expressions of your internal realities. Your emotions 
are your expressions of your internal realities. Like Augustine talking about your, your emotions are like smoke and they're identifying that some problem is going on on the inside. They're not the problem. They're telling you that something is going on down deep on the inside. And that's like the smoke alarm. They're warning. It's an indicator. And I want you to see that your emotions are the expressions of something that is going deep down inside. You might say, well, I grew up being told I'm supposed to suppress them. All you're doing with the suppression is you're building pressure. And on the other side, if you're just expressing them any way that you really want to, regardless, not irregardless, regardless of the damage, yeah, you might feel better in the moment, but now we've left a trail of devastation in its wake. So what can we do? And what I want to do is give you three questions, three quick questions to help you understand and identify how you feel so that you can actually navigate your feelings in a healthy way. If you're taking notes, three questions I want you to write down. Number one, what's the real reason I'm feeling like this? What is the real reason I'm feeling like this? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it maybe experience that you've had? Can I tell you this? As pastor of K-First, there's something that I took totally for granted 11 years ago. I took for granted people's church experiences, their experiences with their pastors, experiences with church leaders from whatever church they came out of growing up. So as the church began to grow and I and we began to develop this congregation of people from different walks of life. If there's anything I took for granted, I took for granted what people have gone through and I many times misinterpreted their response to me. I took some things as personal, not realizing they were actually responding and drawing out of a past experience. And I took that for granted. There are so many times I've repented to people and I've repented toward God for how I acted or responded to somebody. Sometimes it was a year or two later that something clicked, that they weren't reacting to me in their emotions. They were responding emotionally out of something that took place in their past. So what's the real reason I'm feeling like this? Secondly, how true is it? How true is your emotion or what you're dealing with? Like I said, I could preach out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 all week. Uh, if you flipped over one chapter and read about Elijah, you read that Elijah went into a great time of victory and then all of a sudden he goes into a great season of depression. And he gets into such a dark mode that he's crying out to God and he says, God, I am the only one left. I'm the only one. And God, I can almost hear God chuckling to himself saying, okay, lighten up. Okay, boomer, settle down, look at the reality of what's going on. So that second question is so key because not just what's the reason I'm feeling like this, but how true is it? Because sometimes our emotions paint a different picture than what the truth really is. And God challenges them. Are you kidding me? Why are you acting like you're the only one going through this? Don't you have a clue that I still have thousands of people that still follow me? Elijah thought he was the only one. And there's sometimes emotions paint a different picture than what reality is. And I'm very thankful for people in my life that I can lean upon that love me unconditionally and are willing to talk to me about the truth because sometimes my emotions don't allow me to see what the truth really is. So one, what's the real reason I'm feeling like this? Two, how true is it? And number three, are my emotions pushing me toward an unhealthy response? Are my emotions pushing me toward an unhealthy response? In other words, what will I get 
Or where will this lead me if I continue to act this way? See, a lot of emotions seem natural, but many of them can end up becoming self-defeating. Let me say that again. Sometimes our emotions seem, feel natural in the moment, but they end up, when we let our emotions take the lead, they become self-defeating. Are my emotions pushing me toward a healthy response? I would challenge you to write these things down. I would challenge you to put these in your phone, that when you're in a a time of emotion, begin to ask yourself, what's the real reason I'm feeling like this? Um, How true is it? Uh, Are my emotions pushing me toward a an unhealthy or a healthy response. Let's give an example. You remember back in the day when we can all go to restaurants? All that time long ago before this quarantine when you can go into a restaurant and actually sit down and enjoy a meal. You remember those days back in the olden days like two months ago? You remember those days? Now imagine you're getting maybe some not so good service and you get really hangry. You get frustrated. You see other people getting their food or their free bread and you haven't even got your beverage order yet. You haven't, like me, I just want to go and get a soda water and just relax. And maybe you're just getting irritated, you're getting angry and you are tempted just to go off on the waitress. You don't even know what they've been through on that day. You don't know if they're shorthanded there. You don't know the situation. All you know is you have not gotten what you want. And so you ask, what am I, what's the real reason I'm feeling like this? Well. I'm hungry. How true is it? Well, it's true that I'm hungry, but my anger is not so truthful. It's just a response from my impatience. It's a response because I want things when I want them. The truth is I can wait. I do have time. And what type of response is my emotions pushing me towards? My emotions are pushing me toward being rude to this waiter or waitress. My emotions are pushing me toward wanting to dock their tip because I'm not getting things the way I want them when I want them. But what if we actually ask those questions just to step back and realize, what am I feeling? How true is it with what I'm perceiving and what I'm seeing? I feel ignored, not realizing that it just may be a busy evening. You may have a brand new waiter or waitress. And what's my response pushing me to do? I wondered if we just simply stopped to identify what we're dealing with. I wonder how much healthier we would be as a society if we stopped at restaurants and asked ourselves those three questions. Hey, let's get a little bit more real during the quarantine. What if we ask ourselves those three questions before we posted something stupid on social media? Before we attacked the president, before we attacked the governor, before we attacked people, before we went off on somebody. Some of us are more courageous behind keyboards than we ever are to people to their face. Let's be the people of God when we're talking with people face to face, just as much as we're people of God sitting behind a keyboard with social media. Let's ask ourselves those questions and let's take ownership of our emotions so that we're not victims with our emotions, but we're victorious with our emotions. This is our challenge and my call for us to be the people of God and to manage our emotions well. So the second question I want you to ask you, I want to ask you, and I want you to ask the people within your room uh, or even answer right here on Facebook Live or our website. I want you to answer this question. Where do you struggle with most of your emotions? Where do you struggle? Or maybe when do you struggle with your emotions the most? Would you take a few moments and just share from your heart, be real with the people around you, where do you struggle the most with your emotions?
I love 1 Kings chapter 18. I love the simplicity of a prophet that hears about a need and he just goes and he seeks the face of God and he sends his servant to keep looking for the answer. And just, he looked for the answer. It wasn't there. He looked, he wasn't there seven times. He got him almost in this rhythm of going and checking, go and check, keep acting on it, keep stepping out, keep looking. And all of a sudden, seventh time, he looks up and he sees a cloud the size of a human hand. Read it, it's right there in scripture. And that cloud ends up consuming the entire sky. And all of a sudden begins to rain on a parched land. And there was such a rain that was on its way that the prophet told the king, you better get ahead of it because you're going to get stuck in it. It'll consume you. There's so much coming, but you've got to get going now. I love that. Get up, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and then respond. So I want to give you some practical steps that you can take this week when it comes to your emotions. Number one, I need you to find a healthy rhythm. Find a healthy rhythm. I'm talking about getting a rhythm of your day and a rhythm of your week that will reflect a healthy life. Now, yes, I want you to do Bible studies. I want you to read your scriptures. I believe in that. I want you to spend time in worship. As a church, we're putting out a worship playlist every week for you to listen to and to pray along with. Um, Spend time praying for people, praying with people. Join us for prayer and fasting on Tuesday mornings on our KFIRST Facebook page. Um, I want you to do those things. And those are important, but just as important is your mental, emotional, and your physical health. And finding a good rhythm to your day will help position you for physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health. Shut Netflix off and read a book. Stop binging something and get yourself reading something that will feed your soul. At night, I like reading a little bit of fiction to relax my brain. Read something that's fun. Read something that's deep. Go for a walk with your family. Wave at people. Wave at your neighbors who are going for a walk. Our neighborhood is busy with family just walking or playing in their yard. And we wave and we've talked with people. I've met a few people. Talked with my neighbor from afar. Uh, They're having a baby this week. And so we're we're wanting to do a meal for them and just to help bless them. Uh, Just get out and get about and find a different pace. How about this? I've get off of social media. I've got a friend of mine that contacted me this week that said, I've just stayed off most of social media because I get so angry. Some of you, you get so mad. Just get off. Get into a better pace of your week because I promise a better pace physically, a better pace spiritually will benefit a better pace mentally and emotionally. That leads me to number two. Do what only you can do and let God do what only he can do. Don't say, God, take away my anger. No, 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 no. You need to deal with what you what you can do. For example, like my friend, if you're getting mad at social media, get off social media. God's not going to shut it down for you. You need to shut it down. If you're going through temptation on your computer or on your TV, shut it down. Do what only you can do and let God do. God will give you the power. God will give you the strength. God will give you the encouragement. God will give you the peace. God will will give you mercy and grace through these times, but you still have to walk in obedience to do the things that you know you need to do. So do the things that only you can do. Make a list out of the things that you need to do this week that are going to be healthy for you emotionally and let God do in your life what only he can do. And it leads me to number three. In moments of high emotion, stop being driven by your emotions 
and start speaking to them. In fact, I'm going to tell you exactly what to speak to your emotions. I want you to refer to them as a cloud. Now, that may seem contrary to what we talked about in the beginning of this message. In fact, the title of my message is called, Where There's Smoke, There's... And I left it there. Because most of us would say that old cliche, where there's smoke, there's fire. And St. Augustine would say that our emotions are like smoke. He didn't say they are smoke. He said they're like smoke. They're indicators. But I want to draw us back to 1 Kings chapter 18 because when the prophet told his servant to look afar, the servant didn't see smoke. He saw a cloud. Now, a cloud and smoke can look so similar, but there's a massive differences between the two. Yes, we could talk about the chemical makeup, but when I think about smoke, I look and I think about a problem. But when I think about a cloud, I think about potential. I want, I want you to grasp that. When you see smoke, you can immediately see that there is a potential problem. But when you see a cloud, I want you to think there is potential. Because when you think about smoke, you think about fire, something's being consumed, something is being destroyed. And many times we could treat our emotions as casualties of a fire, that something is eating us alive, something is wanting to break us apart, something is wanting to pull us uh, uh, apart. But I'm here to challenge you to see with your eyes, like in your mind's eye, I want you to see your emotions like a cloud, almost like that servant that keeps looking, he keeps hoping, he, he hears the prophet saying, keep looking, keep trusting, God's to provide and all of a sudden that cloud began to form and as he kept looking the cloud got bigger and bigger why do i say potential because then that then that cloud is a potential for rain it's potential for something that's going to refresh the land it's potential for something that's going to unite the the community again it's that potential that's going to bless that land and begin to bless the crops again to feed the people and begin to help their parched thirst when i think of my emotions i'm not going to call them a, uh, like a billow of smoke as if something was going to consume me but every time I look at my anger, I look at my fear. I, I look at the things that want to consume me. When my depression wants to show its ugly face again. When I look at my emotions, I'm going to speak to it as a cloud and say, God, in that emotion, it's not something that will consume me. It's something that is going to be packed with the potential for God to use as a miracle in my life. And I just believe that God wants to redeem your anger. He wants to redeem the fear in your life. He wants to redeem the ache of your heart. He wants to redeem every emotion that you are experiencing and he's going to flip it around to use for his glory and for his honor the scripture says that it is in our weakness that his strength is made known this is the place that god is going to show his glory has your heart been broken? God can heal your heart. Are you upset and angry over something? God can come and heal and, and, and to transform the anger and to use it for his glory and for his honor. Are there things that are consuming your, that are consuming your heart with fear? God wants to come and bring boldness and courage in the midst of that emotion. God wants to meet you there. All you got to do is speak into that. And to, and to look at it a little bit differently and say, you know what? I can either look at it as a place of destruction. It's nothing more than smoke. Or we can say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to look at it like a cloud that God's beginning to form. And it may start small, a little bit of faith. It's going to start small. But God, I believe you're going to take this emotion and Lord, you're going to grow something in the midst of it that's going to be a place of refreshing and not be something that destroys my life. I want to close with this. 
I had read about a nautical term that I had never heard of in my life. And the nautical term is called kedging. Kedging. And it's used when a ship has maybe been grounded or it's been found in some turbulent sea. And what sailors will do is they will get into a rowboat, what's what's known as the kedge anchor, and they will row as far as they can from the ship and they will take it into the direction that they want to go and they will drop it in that spot. And once that anchor finds purchase on the bottom, they will then hook that chain to a, a winch on the ship and they will get around that as a group and as a community and they will begin to wind that together. And instead of an anchor holding them in one spot, they will anchor themselves in the place that they want to go and they will catch. They'll begin to pull themselves out from those turbulent seas and they'll begin to pull themselves away from the land that they got stuck on and they will plant themselves there and begin to pull themselves. And if they didn't get far enough, they'll get in the boat, take that anchor again and they will catch it further and begin to pull themselves toward that place of hope. Book of Hebrews says this, that Jesus is the anchor of our hope. And maybe today you feel lost in your emotions. Can I challenge you to catch the little anchor catch today? And maybe you don't know what to do with your emotions. Maybe the emotional state that you're in is kind of fragile. Would you just drop your anchor your faith in Christ, your hope in Christ, and would you just bear down and begin to press on toward him? St. Augustine, maybe others would say that what you're dealing with is smoke. And smoke may seem to you as a place that could absolutely be a sign of destruction. But I'm here to tell you and to prophetically say to you, that what you are feeling and experiencing, I choose to speak to it like a cloud, that in it is potential, that he will bring hope out of your hopelessness, healing out of your hurt, restoration out of the ruins. Can I pray for you? Because I believe that God is gonna raise up a level of faith in our church, and we are gonna be a people that are gonna rise up, not just spiritually mature, but emotionally mature to the glory of Jesus. Spirit of God, I just ask right now for every individual watching today that they would just anchor their hope in you. Like sailors catching their anchor out into a place that says, this is where I need to go. God, we just say, we need your help and we want to anchor ourselves in you because you're where we need to go. Your scripture tells us that you are that strong tower that the righteous can run to and find safety. And Lord, I speak to every person that where their emotions want to consume them. Lord, I just speak, Lord, I speak about that cloud, not a thunderstorm that would want to shake them, but a, a storm of refreshing that would just drench the parched soul that they have been living in. I pray that hope would rise, that joy would rise, that peace would, Lord, just settle in people's hearts, God, that we would see our emotions not as a place to destroy us, but as the tool that you're going to use to show your glory and to show your honor. God, this is the day that you have made. Our lives are the people that you have redeemed. So, Lord, I speak faith, I speak healing, I speak restoration, and I speak that all in Jesus' name. Amen.